Right, this is Grayson Gilbert with the Chorus in the Chaos, and I'm with Blake and Jack today. Uh, one, of, one of the goals, actually, I should say the entire goal of this podcast today is to talk about the intersection of the church and culture. So how we've basically laid this out um, from Jack's introduction here is essentially we want to uh, look at the different paradigms that the church engages the culture. So there's four main ones there that Jack pulled out. And then we're looking at when do we want to actually weigh in on controversial topics. And then towards the end here, if we can hit it, uh, our goal is how we can weigh in on those things. Uh, the reality is, I mean, we live in a world where there's just a constant stream of controversy, right, guys? So we were hopeful that this would just be a blessing to people who hear it. This might be something that's helpful. Um, there's no shortage of controversy we run into on the page and blog and everything else. So if we can in some way, shape, or form at least be uh, able to help in some regard. Um, hopefully you find it helpful. So Jack, do you want to take it away with um, at least the beginning stages of what you're looking at for your own paradigms? Yeah, yeah. You know, I've, I've done some reading over this over the years. And, and more recently, I kind of did a crash course again, thinking about the different paradigms of how the church and the culture interact. And I think, you know, there's, depending on who you read, there's several of them. But I jotted down four that I think would be the most predominant. And and it's probably worth saying that even as I was reading this, and Blake, you and I were chatting earlier, I think you, you you recognize this too. There's like, not all of them, but for most of them, you can be like, yeah, I can see that. Like, there's, yeah. there's yeah. I don't want to use the word spectrum, um, but, you know. Please don't use that word. I won't use it. So, yeah. <laughs> do you want me to look up a synonym for that? I don't, <laughs> I don't know off the top of my head. <laughs> Give me a thesaurus. Um but, but, you know, just for the sake of discussion, there's, there's a spectrum here. There's like a, different ways that people do it and different ways that people have thought about it historically. And, you know, when you look at it for most of them, not all, I think there's one that's definitely just bad. But of the four, there's three that I can look at and like make an internal argument for in some way, shape or form. Although I will say there is one that I that I prescribe to predominantly, if I'll say that, but maybe a little bit of truth in all of them. So anyway, let, let me let me run through or Blake, did you have anything you wanted to add? Before I do no, that? No, no, okay. you're, ro you're rolling, man. Okay, all right. So maybe the first paradigm, again, this idea of how do the church and the culture relate. The first, first one that's pretty common or has been established and seen before in history is the church being against the culture. And I, and I understand this to be where you've got separate camps. Like the church looks at the worldly culture and says, I will have nothing to do with that, and I'm going to create my, create my own thing, my own bubble. Um, you know, I think I was trying to think about examples of this and— Maybe someone someone would probably disagree with me, but when I think about the Puritans, in some way, maybe they did some of that to a point, right? Mm -hmm. KJV um, onlyism. Yep. Yeah. Um, there's a, there's some of that. Like, well, specifically, I would say maybe not maybe not KJVO, but the uh, like uh, the Bible Baptist uh, yeah. circle. Yeah, which just, I'm well acquainted well acquainted just with. Just isolate myself. You know, and I, actually, when I was thinking about this. Uh, Christianity in the 90s kind of felt like that to a point, or at least it was like an attempt to do that, maybe I'll say, because you saw so much of Christianity in the 90s and early 2000s, like, I'm going to form my own music, my own movies, my own, like, they just segmented off Christianity in the 90s, like, took very distinct efforts to create Christian versions of their own thing, whatever was popular in the world, right? Mm -hmm. So Christian... Would that be, would that fall under this category of against I don't think so what I typically culture, look though, at it is like maybe like a monastic or mon sorry I just butchered the pronunciation of that word uh, monastic community so where they literally remove themselves from that culture or society entirely um, with the goal mm -hmm. to get away from that culture that's typically what I think yeah. of within this viewpoint yeah I would say yeah because I would say it'd be different than like re like I don't know I wasn't I wasn't in it in the in the 90s but I would say that there's a so like the only thing I can think of is an example. So like the college that I went to was like you can't you can't go to movie theaters. Movie theaters are are wicked, and so it wasn't like a like well we're gonna create a Christian movie theater uh, where Christians can go to. It was just a no. That's just something you know you don't like you just don't do. So in in that way it was a marked like removal from a cultural aspect it wasn't trying to reclaim or it wasn't trying to claim the culture it wasn't trying to reshape the culture it was a removing yeah from it and i would say that at least in my experience in like in association with a lot of bible baptists and things like that was that that became kind of the legalistic 
um, the legalistic, you know, do's and don'ts of things. To, um, to me, I get, and that's why I said I think the, in the 90s they attempted it. To, maybe I'm wrong, right? I, I didn't become a Christian until you know, 2002, basically. But mm-hmm. but I grew up in the Bible Belt, and that was my, per, I don't know, just my perception at the time. Maybe it was very isolated. Where it, was, it was like an attempt to do that. It's like we, we're, we don't want to go to movies. And as an alternative, we'll create our own Christian movies. We'll create our own Christian music. We'll create our own... I don't know. Wouldn't that fall under like church transforming culture though? Yeah, that's no or, because like, attempting to transform. I don't think so because the church didn't largely didn't try and imprint that on the secular culture. It was like I'm going to separate and do my own thing. Okay, so I yeah okay I I see what you're getting. Like at. I'm going to so form saying, my own camp. You have your camp. Right, I'm right. going to make my camp. Okay, right. So it's not like it's not like we're going to. I think what you just no 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 I I think I think what you described is is accurate (laughs) too. It's like the world is evil. This is evil. So I'm not going to do that. And what I'm saying is we we went that far and we looked at that and said, but because I'm not going to do that, I'll just make my own thing that's for Christians, right? Yeah. So it's more Um, of like a Christian subculture then, right? It's yeah yeah exactly a culture. Would you say that also in there would fall that? Also in there would fall the um, now 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 my thoughts escaped me. Carmen, were you gonna? Uh, no, I'll tell you what happened was <laughs> I interrupted Grayson, and then my mind was going, "Shut up, you're interrupting Grayson," and then I lost. Well, my I thought. mean, maybe you should have interrupted so, him there, friendo. It's true. Huh? It's true. I recant. Okay. So so again, th- there's th- th- these these uh, paradigms are probably on a sliding scale. That's my. That's my uh, sure. I mean, we're my, looking at just broad categories today, right? Right, kind of broad category. And again, perception here, right? So, but let's come on to the second one. So that would be church against the culture, kind of two separate camps. Uh, another one would be church with the culture, and I would I would categorize this or describe this as the church molds herself to the culture. So whatever the culture does, the church kind of adopts it. It goes. It, uh, this would be essentially progressive Christianity. The the culture's moving into to LBGTQ, the, 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 the church, the culture's going into to gay marriage. The, the culture's going into all these things and the church just adopts that view. Pet blessing services. Yeah. yeah. Pet. There you go. Um, and that would be the one if, if, uh, if I even have to say this, that I would be against, right. If I mentioned well, yeah. three of the four that I can like, I can see a case for that. This would be the one that I'd be against. I also look at this one. It's just utterly pointless though, too. Cause it's, it's one of those things where, I mean, they're trying to fit in with the culture, right? I mean, that's kind of the, the overarching goal, but they're always 10 years too late to the party, and they do <laughs> right. it worse it than the culture. The culture. Right. So it's like, why would you right. go and be part of that? I just don't, really don't get it. But, well, what can you Grayson, do? why do you hate, why do you hate, pe- pe- uh, <laughs> can't <you> say, <laughs> why do you hate pet blessings so much? Oh, I'm gonna get in trouble, so I'm gonna just be quiet. <laughs> Next episode, <laughs> well, it's like, why does why does he hate pets? Yeah, yeah. Sorry. All right. Next episode: furries, fur babies, and furbies. Hey, speaking of, never mind. I'm not gonna go there. I'll say it really quick because <laughs> I already started to say yeah. it. I saw an article. I can't remember where. Maybe I shared it in our in our little chat that we have, but. Apparently, there's like somewhere in evangelicalism, like a furries evangelical subculture now. Oh yeah, I think you're thinking of Presbyterian panda. <laughs> <laughs> oh god, you know who you. are. You know, we actually have a, a couple guys that are following either Twitter or Instagram or something like that that are furries that are, really? are within that Christian subculture furry group, if you will want to call it that. So that is a real thing. It's a real it thing. Like a... I mean. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. See, that's where I uh, move into the uh, Christ against culture group. <laughs> <laughs> On that I'll sliding scale. Sco- yeah. I'll take an extra scoop of that. Yeah. Please. Yeah. All right. Well, let's keep going. So the 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 third one would be, and this is the one that I would prescribe to the most, would be the church transforms the culture, and it's this this idea that um, everything is inherently good because God made it that way, although it has fallen in sin, and the gospel has the power. The, the gospel is the power of God and the salvation. And because of that, there is this natural proclivity for the gospel to redeem and restore culture and things within the culture. So the, the, the church over time 
uh, transforms and influences the culture. The Baptists are smiling. Yes, we are. That's uh, <laughs> I think that's that's a post mill boy coming out in you, huh? I don't mean probably. I don't mean that negatively. Maybe I'm in, pejoratively. I'm a, I might be in, I'm probably embellishing a little bit because of my post mill, but but I but I'm, but but I do whole, like I think that's the most accurate of the three. Sure. I mean, I would love for that to be the case. I would too. I, I think it's. And this is literally not a slam against you. I think it's naively optimistic. Um, <laughs> <laughs> this is not a look, Jack. Just co- cover no, your ears. This I mean, isn't a slam against you I, I, I or any of the post mill people or your families. But the naivety. <laughs> I, I honestly mean it kindly. It's literally not a dig, and I know it automatically sounds like one. Um, but you're my, you're literally my good friend, and I care for you. Um, I, I just look at the way that scripture portrays the culture in general, and I, I, I can't subscribe to that as a full thing of saying that um, there's this kind of glow or grow, gosh, I can't speak now, slow, gradual redemption of the culture. Um, you have individual redemption and corporate redemption of the people being incorporated to the church, um, and that's leaving or leading towards the redemption of all things. But the culture itself, I don't know that I can look at and say is being redeemed. And, and I know that for anyone out there, all of us are really good friends and we, and I, I had a sense we might disagree on this, but you know, that, that kind of goes into the theme of who we are, right? Like yeah. the, this idea of the, the chorus and the chaos, right? Many voices, we come from different places, but we're ultimately, even though we may disagree on some things like this, we're united in the gospel and clearly enough that we're really good friends and have a blog and a podcast and all this stuff. So um, even though I am deeply offended and I'm going to write grace <laughs> in a very long evening. <laughs> um, no, I, you know, I, I see where you're coming from and I, I can truly appreciate where you are. Uh, but I just, for, for me, when I think about, and this is again, this flows right into post mill. Cause that, that's the, the view that I have. I just have a general understanding that the gospel redeems things. Right. And, and if you think about culture, there's this, this, you can think of like a, a river or a stream and r- religion is going to, religion is going to influence culture. Culture will ultimately influence politics. And there's like this, this flow down between the church through culture and the government and, and the law. And over time, I believe that over long periods of time, and I'm, I'm thinking it could be another 2000 years and I wouldn't like be surprised, but like over a long period of time, because the gospel is so powerful, because the gospel is so redemptive and conquering what it, t- it tends to do, it will ultimately influence the culture, influence politics, and we will work our way into a golden age. I'm sold. I wish it would be the case, but I mean, the way I look at towards with the eschaton. Um, uh, Can you define eschaton? Because I don't even know. What that yeah, is. eschaton is just the last. <laughs> uh, essentially, I'm speaking of the last days. I, I, I know I do. No, that's okay. I mean, for people that don't know that word, though, I, that's helpful, right? Um, but the way I see Scripture describing just the last days in general is that everything everything will be made new. Everything will be recreated. Um, but everything in creation itself has to be burned up first. And so there is that ultimate destruction before all things are made new. Um, I, I look at it in the sense of seeing, you know, the churches to be that agent of restoration within their own community and within the world at large but that doesn't necessarily entail that the church fulfilling that and by the you know with their feet shot with the gospel that it will naturally conclude in that and that's kind of where i look at things with that um ultimately the things will be restored and redeemed and we should be working towards that goal even where we live but that ultimate goal is always bound up in the gospel itself if that makes sense It, it does and and Again, I, I don't agree with that, but I agree with the end, and that's what that's what really matters, right? Like, at the end, regardless of how we get there, Christ will be on his throne, and we will be eternally resting with Jesus, right, in, in heaven and God's glory. Sure. I mean, th- th- that's what <laughs> we're going to disagree yeah. no matter what, and I think it's, it's we'll never quite reach that. Um, we can always have that high-level agreement, and that'll be probably one of the difficulties just as we navigate through this podcast, right? Sure. Where we're going to hit these points where we'll just naturally divide. Because um, inevitably, wherever you wherever you land on this issue, it 
it does have like micro consequences mm -hmm. to how you operate and and what you do and like what like what causes you take up and what things are important to you i mean you know i i just um I just look at it like you see these things repeated in scripture that, you know, that in the last days it'll be as it was in the days of Noah. You know? <laughs> yep. And you look at those situations, you know, and you look at even, even, you know, Christ calling us to be, you know, salt and light. Like I see that there's that, like there is that interaction with those around us, um, with the world. But this is where I would fall more into, uh, that first um, church against a kind culture. Of, uh, kind of bomb shelter thing that the building is burning and we need to get as many people out as we can. Um, that's that. I mean, that's uh, that's a simplistic. It's, it's, yeah. a, it's a fair analogy. And I, and I would say I started to say this a second ago. I think when you look at like the kind of these paradigms, probably situationally. I would risk, even though I, I prescribe to this transform the culture mentality, like that's the one that I identify with the most in certain situations. I would absolutely agree with you. There are instances and times when I would, like you mentioned the evangelical furry thing, right? Like, and you, you made the joke, put me in the first camp there. Like there, there are times when like, yeah, the, the culture is so wacky and crazy. I need to go into a bomb shelter, right? Like situationally. That probably makes right. more sense. And I think, and I think we'll get into, we'll get into this, we'll get into this, but, and I think we would agree that the ultimate transformer is the gospel transforming yes. yeah. people. And so some of this gets confused when you're talking about culture, it can get confusing quickly because you might start, I'm just in speaking in general terms, not you Jack specifically, but you know, a person might start then blending methodology into um, like, okay, what does the, what does the sinful furry need? Do they need the gospel for transformation or do they need me to dress up like a big old fat kitty cat and, uh, <laughs> you know, and do, I mean, you know, I mean, it's like, you know, what, what, what I mean, how does, like, how does, how do those different things? Well, yeah, it, it does affect how you actually engage the culture then. I mean, if you're going to be looking at, we, we've made the joke several times at the end of other podcasts referencing Tim Keller, but he is actually a perfect example of, of this debate, right? Because the way he approaches everything in his arena in Manhattan is going to be radically different than how you would approach it in, you know, where you're at, Blake. Um, but he's looking at it from a lens of using aspects of the culture to reach rather than, um, explicitly the gospel and i'm not saying he's anti-gospel or that he's even trying right. to right. do anything nefarious there um but he is approaching right. it from a very radically different view it, we just get into these weird methodology things yep. i think yeah blake i want to t go back on something you said because i want to make sure that this is emphasized that yes the the gospel is is the thing and and um when i think about the you know the church transforming the culture it does it and maybe i should have led with this I believe that it happens through the gospel because the gospel transforms people. People, right. Yeah, you said that. It, yeah, it, that it, was, that was it cool. converts people, yeah. and by converting people and redeeming people, it impacts the culture. That, right. That's, that's the path. So maybe, I, maybe that wasn't clear, but I thought I should no, say No, no, no. You were, you were clear. I mean, and you stated that, you stated that clearly. I, I think the ultimate, the ultimate thing is where you would look at it and you would say, or any post mill would say that, uh, you know, Christ transforms the person, the person transforms the culture, things progressively get better. I just don't see the, in scripture, I don't see the guarantee that things get better until Christ comes back. Yep. Fair. Well, we, we should do one, we should do an episode on eschatology at some point. I think that would actually be an interesting one for us it, to do. It, it would be good for me. Not I, in a bad I, way. Yeah, it would. No, no, no. I, I would. I would probably learn a lot. I would know. So I'll also say, as it terms to eschatology, I hold the the post mill position. I can almost see all mill and post mill equally in scripture. Like I can, I can when I when I study it, I can see both mm -hmm. and kind of make a case for both. Like looking at both sides, like I can reason both out. Ultimately, I fall on the post mill side because of what I said earlier about my my convictions about the power of the gospel to redeem and transform. 
So, but yes, we, we should, we should absolutely do a podcast on that on some point. And if we do, I would like to maybe bring in someone who uh, is probably better versed on some of this stuff than me. I, I wouldn't consider myself an expert on Amil or post mill. Well, so you consider yourself an expert. Please apply. <laughs> I also get that though, because you're looking at two pre mill boys who just be. I mean, we would be argue Blake and I would be going that route, and it's like, let me just quote this obscure passage in the Minor Prophets for you. <laughs> Are you familiar with the book of Zechariah? Actually, the prophet Daniel. <laughs> Actually, the Hebrew in Zechariah. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, you, you guys would whip me around. I'd look really bad. So I, I don't know. We, we should do a podcast and think about how we do that. I, but I think an eschatology no. will be really interesting. I, I'll just link I'll link a bunch of videos of that lady talking about monster energy. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> that, that one I absolutely love. Her smile at the end of it, she's like, and if you look, bottoms up and the devil laughs. And then she's just got this <laughs> smug smile because she. Yeah, like like she just KO'd the whole. Yep. Yeah. The monster energy drink industry done <laughs> i'm convinced yeah. all right so the, then the fourth one and i and i put this one last this so i should also also add really quick the church transform the culture was a view that calvin uh is is known for having that idea right and then the church and the culture the fourth would be the church and the culture paradox is one that is generally understood to come from luther and it's society this kind of two Two internal kingdoms existing together. It's this saint and sinner mentality. They both exist. They're both real. And they're both competing for the person and the culture equally at the same. And they call it a paradox because it's, you know, it's one of these things that should make sense, but it's reality. And I kind of see it too. Again, yeah, I can, I can, you know, I can make, I can make a case for that too. So um, anyway, but those would be, if I were to to boil down maybe four major paradigms, um, and, and I think, you know, if we if we look, started off the podcast with kind of a question, should we engage? I think all of us would say yes. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I think, too, we also have to recognize that even talking about culture, that we are products of our culture and our time and place. Like, it has influence on us. It's like when you look historically, when you look at, like, historically at things, uh, and you look at things today, that's why it's so dangerous to take your you know, views from the headlines. Cause we all know, like we know the, the hashtag that post mill. And then we also know people that are like pre mill that chase headlines. Also that, you know, things are, the things are happening. And so like the culture that we're in does affect us. And I mean, I imagine that people held things, <clears throat> held these different viewpoints differently. Like whether you were a, persecuted huguenot or whether you were in calvin's geneva or whether you were i mean i I don't know i don't know it's it would have been much tougher to look at the culture i think and say yes things are getting worse or things are getting better you know yeah so so taking so taking just the temperature of the the culture around you isn't exactly helpful no i mean it can be challenging no matter what you should be informing your view from the text um, that's one of the things that I can say, you know, it's like, even though I know Jack and I disagree on a lot um, in terms of some of this stuff, it's like, I can appreciate always that he's going back to scripture to try and pull out his views. Um, I've made comments before, but it's like, I'll, I'll respect a, a rock ribbed Presbyterian more than a squishy Baptist, just because I know that they've done some thinking through it. And even if we can disagree very, very firmly at the end of the day, um, I know at least he's trying to submit himself to scripture and that hopefully should be reflective of me as well as that we're both looking to look at scripture as the objective source for where we derive the doctrine rather than saying I'm going to look to the culture or I'm going to look to just tradition or even just my catechism. It's like we're trying to get back to the actual book God has given us to know these things, right? Yeah. Yeah. Amen, brother. That, that's good. Yeah, so we uh, in the the Facebook group, I just kind of asked a question if if there were anyone who had kind of some thoughts or questions, and uh, I got a friend of ours named David asked the question about maybe examples, and I just thought we could do some quick commentary here because I thought this was a good question, but he asked the question of maybe examples or ways that the culture has influenced the church, like ways that we see that today, and I think it's a first of all, I think it's a very good question. Second of all, I think it's a really hard question because it's so hard to know 
how you've been influenced. Yeah. And it depends on the congregation. Yeah, exactly. That's my point. Like congregations are going to look different here. Yeah. There's so many little things. Yeah. So that's, Um, that's really hard. It's really hard to, to say has culture influenced it or what ways that it's done it. I think in a, in a macro sense, if we think about the Western American church, um, I would say, generally speaking, because that's about all you can do is speak in generalities, but generally speaking, consumerism has largely impacted the American church. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Right? Kind of materialism, mm-hmm. consumerism. Mm-hmm. That would be one thing that just kind of sticks out in my mind. Um, you could go down a long list of you know progressive theological things that have influenced the church. We kind of talked about that. Yeah, a I think, I mean, it's easy to take that as a pot shot and just say all those different ways, but I mean... And I think most people in our audience are not going to be progressive Christians as it is. So I'm more prone to look within our own tribe, so to speak, and say, how, sure. how have we been screwed up with it and not even necessarily know it? Right? It's like when you say consumerism, I think I that's a big know. one. Same with individualism. I don't even know if I would say... I wouldn't, I wouldn't even know if I would say screwed up. No, I don't I mean, think I, all aspects of I it just, are bad. Just like... Yeah, that like there's there's positive and negative, or at least neutral, you know, aspects. Well, and Paul specifically of, says, "Honor the customs know. of your day," right? And so there's an yeah. aspect of your mm-hmm. culture right there that's actually good and that you should follow and do. Um, we have to discern all those different things, but um, I'm not saying culture in, in general is just evil or bad all the time. I think in many ways it's great. Yeah, I would agree. I would agree with that. And I and I, it's hard to to step back and identify those things because you're in them, right? Like you you live them. But um, yeah, I'm trying to think of kind of big things. But yeah, consumerism. Um, I, I would say well, maybe this is how we list. how we do music. I was well, that's what I was going to say is music. You know, music. Like you can think yeah. about the way the because the music in church is largely now yeah. tends to mirror the style that is popular or relevant in the culture if, if not right. trailing by a few years right right not in all right. churches but kind of yeah. speaking predominantly the um the <clears throat> the culturally uh the culturally manipulated uh attention span oh yeah yeah um has has a uh, a huge you know makes a huge impact that you know some places for for there to be an hour of preaching it would be outlandish yeah i mean it would just be you know you're you're killing me. Yeah. Well, speaking of preaching, think of just different illustrations that you might use on a Sunday morning. Oh, that's a good that's a good example. And that's not yeah. even a bad one, right? It's like you go into Africa, and all of a sudden your uh, example about the Phillies is just like, huh? <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> they won't have so any. I was clue. playing my Game Boy the other day. Yeah. <laughs> Game Boy. Game Boy. What? Yeah. Well, okay. Actually, John Calvin that said that. <laughs> um. Yeah, I can't. I, I'm sure there are others if we sat and thought about it. But. Like values and things that are important to you, too. Um, you know, that that sometimes people approach church wanting to hear, you know, specific things and specific. Uh, you, I think we have specific vices um, in our culture as well. You know, things available to us that uh, are not good, uh, that must be dealt with. So that changes. Yeah. Uh, that changes things. I don't know, there's so much. There's, there's so, so much. much. Yeah, it's it's really hard to when you think about ways that culture has influenced a church that isn't evil or bad. It's just it's hard hard to pin them all down. So right, right. I mean, even things as simple as you know, get up in front of the church and say we're going to change our our start time. You know, we're starting at seven a.m. instead of whenever we normally start. You know, there would be a. Uh, an uproar. I imagine. I would imagine there would be an issue. I'm like, yeah. We, we, we've always done it this other way. You got to start at ten thirty, or it's not valid. <laughs> <laughs> um. Okay. So yeah, I, I, that was a good question in this discussion. But let's think about. So Grayson, you jotted down a couple, kind of section two and three here. Oh, go it's ahead. A great question, which we didn't answer really. Yeah, we we hemmed and hawed and yeah, said, "Yeah, David, we don't that was know. a great question." That's <laughs> we a, don't know. That's a, that's a brain scratcher, man. <laughs> that's a. You should probably ask somebody else about that one. <laughs> Just go to the default. You should ask the your classic pastor. response in this case would say, "Yeah, talk to your pastor. <laughs> yeah, talk to your talk to your elder about it, David." Okay. Well, I, I, right. I truthfully so, think, though, that concern. it reflects the reality of it is that there's more ways than we even realize we're affected by our culture, and some of them are really bad and some of them aren't bad at all but we can't help it i mean 
Yeah, I don't. I don't think you could know it until you went to another culture and looked at how different. Yeah, they do you'll you'll you really know, that would be the only way to really be out of place in some cultures where you're like, I'm very clearly I don't belong, right? And especially if you go in that church context where they do things their way, and it's not again evil or wrong necessarily per scripture stance, but all of a sudden you're standing there and you're like, I'm I'm in a very very different context and I'm an outsider. Um, I think of how that can even play out in American churches across the spectrum. So. Like as Baptists, we would do things differently as Presbyterians in some ways, right? So if we got up and came into a point when, um, you know, you guys are going through infant baptisms that Sunday, it's like there's a context right there. You're automatically out of place as a Baptist, right? Um, there's different ways it shows up too. Let's say you go to an exclusive psalm, psalmody church, right, and you're not privy to that kind of worship regularly. Or you have a church that's high in the liturgical calendar, and you're not. I mean, those are all different ways that, for one, the culture may have impacted your church or their church, um, whether that's your particular American culture or a different subculture. But those all play out in very practical ways. Does that make sense? Yeah. Or did I just kind of yeah, ramble yeah. for a bit? Well, you did <laughs> ramble for a bit, but I, but it also made sense. <laughs> We're used to it. Uh, all right, so Grayson, you jotted down some things here because ultimately when we talk about church and culture, the things that people want to talk about or think about are these controversial topics. Like, yeah. yeah, what are the, the big, what are the what are the what are the money? What makers? are people yeah. upset the big about things today. that come up? <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, because what what gets lots of clicks on your uh, Theos article? <laughs> you know, that's a real thing. Um, one of the things we noticed very early on is I could write a blog post on a particular theological topic, and you'll get. A handful of people that I read it, but then you've got a Boy. controversial issue that involves that same exact theological topic, and you get thousands of people that will read it. And even you can write it the same, and just do an intro paragraph that deals with that actual topic. Yeah, it, it's stupid, but I think that yeah. speaks to kind of our insatiable need for controversy. Yeah, yeah, that's so, that outrage culture. Yeah, coming but we're from. all it part is. of that. Yeah, as I say, because I mean, I, you know, I would say an art, you know, two articles, the, the, the biblical qualifications of a pastor versus should my pastor be wearing a dress? <laughs> I'm clicking on, I'm clicking on the one. I'm clicking on the one. Which hey, one are you clicking on? Human. You know. <laughs> I do know, and that's the point. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, everybody knows. So. So the, the two things, I guess, as we move into the second half of the episode here is, Grayson, you jotted, and you jotted down some great, you did some great thinking here, but kind of point or question number one, when do we weigh in on controversial topics? Because yeah. when the church, because that's kind of what we're talking about here. You have the church and you have the culture, and ultimately there's going to be some clash because we are not of the world. Regardless of how we interact, there's, there's certainly a distinction between us and the world, and it's important to make that right. And we, we, yeah. we commented briefly on that about the church with the culture, that idea that the church molds herself or adopts the culture, that that's bad. That's not it. The, the scripture is very clear that the church and the world are separate. We are, we are in the world, but not of the world. Right. Yeah. Right. right. Yeah. I think that's a good point of unification, too, is that we both recognize there's something wrong with the world. <laughs> the world <laughs> you <know>? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> yeah, and, that, and that's, that's why the, the topic is interesting in general, because regardless of how you understand how the church and the world, how they interact, they clash at some, at some point, right? It's just, how do you respond to that clashing? Do you, do you step back and go into a bunker? Do you engage it? Do you go along with it? Do you acknowledge it's there and just, you know, kind of like Luther and like, it's a paradox. They both exist and both will exist. You know, yeah, that, that's right. kind of the discussion. Like, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I could, that's exactly the noise Luther made when he wrote these. I don't know. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Um, so anyway, but so when do we weigh in on these controversial topics? So Grayson, I'll, I'll turn it over to you because you, you wrote this section and you did a great job. Sure. I mean, I've been thinking about this a lot more in general, just as of lately with us and blogging and even what we're doing here. Um, and a lot of it, just stems down to asking some some basic questions, really. Um, what I've been thinking through and um, asking myself is, if the first question is, is what I have to say even necessary? Or is my voice necessary to add to this discussion? Um, much of the time, what happens is you have a thousand different people giving a thousand different opinions, 
And so with all that, I'm looking at it and saying, okay, has somebody else said what I would want to say in a better way? Um, or am I literally just spinning my wheels and adding my voice to something that doesn't matter all that much, right? Does that make sense? It does. And, and you know, you put another point here that, that I, th- I feel like I, I need to mention because you said, will, my vo- will, will I add my voice in a way that honors the Lord or just add fuel to the fire? And I think, well, what am I contributing, right? When these, when these controversies come up, when the church and the culture clash on a particular issue, I think that's the question. Is my voice necessary? Am I going to honor the Lord with what I'm doing by engaging? Yeah. Mm-hmm. To my shame, too, I think I'm starting to, to think much more in this regard, too, is how do I speak into something that my local church actually needs to hear rather than just a random bunch of people on the on the web? Um, you know, it's like those are the people, first and foremost, that I care about. And that's not saying I don't care about anybody else. Um, but it is to say those are the people God's charged me to shepherd and if i'm going to put my voice out there i want to do it in a way that is edifying to them first and foremost hmm. amen yeah you know I've, I've been thinking a lot about this new grace you've and I've actually talked about this a handful of times over the past six to eight months but you know as, as blake mentioned we've blogged on patheos or patheos for a number of years and it is when you talk about a sea of controversy just by being an evangelical Christian, you create controversy on this website. And I've had to ask myself a lot, like, is is even blogging there, is it worth it anymore? Like, to the point, not that, like, I want to speak truth into the darkness. I want to preach Christ into a fallen world. But it just seems, there are times, and like, what am I doing by addressing issue X, whatever it might be? Am I really adding fuel to the fire? Or am I honoring the Lord of what I'm doing? And I've wrestled with that just to be to be transparent because mm-hmm. um, so much of it's hard because all the feedback is negative. Well, it, <laughs> yeah. like it is, and, and I say all. It, um, I say all. Let me be. When let I me say try all, and be honest. I truly mean all. <laughs> well, when you get an article that a thousand comments hit on, and you know, forty of them are like, "If I knew where you lived, I'd light your door on fire," or something insane, and then you get other ones that are. You know, Jack Lee, you've been the constant voice of, well, that's evil in Christianity. Um, all those goofy comments that people that was, come out with. That was a real comment, yeah, by the way. Yeah, it's I, like, yeah. <laughs> you, you question what's the point, right? Um, and it's not that you question the value of necessarily being able to spread biblical truth, but it's like, is this an arena in which it's actually valuable to go into at this point? Um, yeah, for, for a long time, I thought it was. And, and I, don't, I don't regret... Because Grayson, you and I moved there like in to that page like 2016, 15, something, something like, like that. that. And at the time, and, and 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 I didn't feel like we did anything wrong, and I was glad we're there. But over time, I guess as the culture's gotten, and we talked about this in our COVID nineteen episode a lot, the culture kind of in, has been bifurcated, and everyone's backed into corners. And the more that that has happened, the more I say violent, uh, verbally violent, the the and I don't mean like threats. I just mean like the the tension, whatever you call it, has has like amped up, and it's just like, am I helping or am I adding fuel to the fire by by this? And it's and and and, and then and this is actually your next point, but it's right, it's spot on for me because then then I have to question is is what I'm doing genuine? Is my motive genuine? Am I am I saying these things talking about like for for example, I wrote an article a few years ago on homosexuality. And I don't remember the exact title, but the, the thesis of it was basically, or maybe this was the title. So the title was something like this. It was also the thesis. The inclusivity of the sexual revolution can't stand up against the exclusivity of Jesus. And it was, it was just basically that the, the progressive Christians, and again, it goes to that the, the, the church has adopted the culture. This group has just adopted the culture and they're going along with it. That's fine. But script, you know, fine. You could find in that you're going to do that. But the problem is scripture is very clear that the the those who are in Christ, there's an exclusivity to the holiness of God and the requirements thereunto. And we can only get that when it's been imputed to us through Jesus. And it's exclusive and it's rare and it's holy and it's perfect and it's pure. And to 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 just adopt whatever the world is saying and adopt the sexual revolution and whatever you're saying in the name of love, 
flies in the face and it's offensive to a holy God. Anyway, so that, but that's the point, right? So I said all this and the comments were just horrid. Like, absolutely. Like you would think, and, and anyone who's living in the culture today can only imagine what the comments were. You can go find the blog and read them. Like, I think I may, I even deleted some of the worst of the worst, but, but you know, th those things do that. And I'm just, you're left wondering, am I really helping? Like, is this, am, am I adding something unique is like, I believe in what I'm saying. I'm not saying, should I doubt what I'm saying? It's that by me saying it, is it worthwhile in this place, in this context, in this arena, is it worthwhile? Yeah. How do you, so like, how do you even, even talking about what we were talking about at the beginning, then how do you then personally decipher, like, how do you decipher that? Like, I would say that from a pre-mill standpoint <laughs> that we could easily look at it and say this place is Ichabod and you know we're, we're out of here you know uh so I mean like it like where do you dude I wrestle with it I, I see what you're saying I wrestle yeah. with it that's the point is I wrestle because I and I mentioned earlier like giving certain instances I, I might and maybe it's inconsistencies I'd be, like it's not beyond me to be inconsistent right maybe it's inconsistencies but maybe it's wisdom. Maybe it's recognizing this is the Lord calling me. This is not where you need to be anymore. Like you were here yeah. for time and no more. Yeah. Or I, I don't know. Like I wrestle with that. I mean, yeah, it could, I, it could I, definitely be. I really don't you know, know. Answering a fool according to his folly, not answering yeah. a fool according to his folly. You know? I think there's a place for all of it and that everything that was done there was worthwhile. Um, I mean, you can literally question yourself until you're blue in the face and then some after that. But the way I look at the opportunity we had there is that, um, and the one we continue to have there still at this point even is, it's a place where it is still the virtual Areopagus of our day in many ways. I mean, social media, I think, is more so. Um, but this is a platform in which many people who have never heard the pure gospel or perhaps stumbled upon the fused solid evangelical mm -hmm. authors there had a chance to see some biblical truth. And for that, I rejoice, right? Yeah. <laughs> In my own mind and heart, it's like I am content um, if the words that I was able to speak, if I did it in a pure motive and with the right heart and with the desire to honor the Lord and be faithful, I'm I'm pleased. And this is what might shake some people up. I'm pleased to hear either way um, that the word of the Lord either will change that person's heart and bring them to understand Christ or will serve on the last day as a means of their condemnation. And that's, yeah. I think mm. that's where we have to go with it every time is that well, however it's received, as long as I'm faithful and as long as I can look in every aspect of my own character and, and earnestly try to say I've done it with a pure heart um, or at least a majority of a pure heart because there's no such thing as a fully pure heart, right? Um, I can at least be grateful for the opportunity, if that makes sense. Yeah. 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 It's so easy to get caught up in the fray. You know, with the uh, even thinking about, you know, your genuine motives. Yeah. I mean, I would know. I know that there there was, you know, there's times where you get into where you get into something and you're just swinging to be swinging, you know. Yeah. Oh, um, I'm sure I'm guilty of that. Yeah. yeah it's tough. I, I, Grace, and I agree with you. I don't I don't regret or look at what we did in blogging on that site as like, I don't look at it with and like that was a mistake. No. I guess I guess where I'm at where I'm at now is it, it, to this point if we we've announced this on the Facebook page but it's maybe just worth mentioning we've started our own website with this podcast we've launched our own website and we've started moving our blog we're we're kind of dual blogging in both places for a little bit and the plan uh, we're going to continue to evaluate over the next year or so but but the plan is to eventually just kind of be on our own on our own website and I, and I say all that because. Yeah, it's just the question. It goes right into your to your points there. You know, is is my voice necessary in this arena right now? And I and I don't know. And I think I think we're we're doing the right thing by taking roughly a year of kind of blogging in both places to figure that out. And I guess now that I'm thinking, I hadn't really put it together because again, I'm inconsistent. But yeah, <laughs> us maybe us us going to our own website is exactly the the Christ or the Church against the culture. Yeah, <laughs> like, it, it is. I mean, backtracking. I don't know. So you could always call it Patheos 2.0 and just move it back into the other. <laughs> there you category. go. Yep. Um, yep. Kind of. I mean, let's go back on track here a little bit. One of the things I think that we ought to 
think of through all of this is, um, and this is a radically different turn from what we were just talking about, by the way, but we should be asking ourselves, is this the hill that I should die on, right? I mean, you look at so many different discussions that happen online today, and the question I ask all the time is, how important is this in the grand scheme of things? And if every hill is a hill worth dying on, then there's no real hill worth dying on at the end of the day. You've made everything uh, 10.0 on the Richter scale, so to speak. Yeah. The other problem is is that the internet gives you the ability to have outrage and have conversations that you would never have in like face-to-face. Oh, yeah. And fight about things that you would never fight about face-to-face. Um, and so it kind of, in, in a way, it's kind of in this gross way unfolded the human heart. Yeah. And, uh, you know, and you see the motivation uh you see the um like the 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 brashness i guess in in people's argument I mean, even among christians um it gets it gets pretty wild i mean we yeah. just saw i mean well yeah we just saw today you know there's 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 things you know being said about baptists and things like that but it's just like it's just over the top and it's um it's meant to get a rise and it's meant to get attention, and uh, specifically thinking of that transgender thing. Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I yeah. I don't think I saw this. We don't have to go down it. Was it? Tr- it's transgender a, bap. It's coming out of um, Toby Sumter's church. It was Toby Sumter, uh, right? It's a logical consistency to his own argument. <laughs> I th- I disagree with it, but it's a logical consistency with where he's coming from. Well, e- either way, yeah. we don't have to go it go into that. It's, it's a Basically, the individualism of Baptists has caused transgenderism. That's a soundbite. (laughs) (laughs) Cut it. Wow. Can you imagine just how many people would be living? How many Baptists would just be like, what? What did he just say? And he's a Baptist? Blake Lavery, everybody. Yeah. The Baptist. (laughs) Okay, so, so we talked a little bit on when. Some questions... That we should be asking ourselves. Those are really good questions, right? Um, and then, then the second half, Grayson, you've got here is how to weigh in on these controversial topics. And you've got some, just some advice. And, and we're we're running short on time. We're we've maybe got ten minutes left. So maybe, maybe Blake, if you've got it in front of you, maybe you want to run through a few of these. And again, I think these are really good. If you, so if you're going to engage in the culture, if you're going to start discussing these controversial issues, here's a list of things that you should you should have or be be ready to do. Yeah. Um, first thing, know what you're, what you're talking about and what you actually wish to speak into, like, make sure that you are accurately, uh, understanding what the other people believe, um, in regards to, you know, whatever the the, the position or the culture or whatever the case may be, know the subject matter adequately, um, enough that they would say, Yes, this is what I actually believe, and it's not just a bunch of straw men and things like that. Um, of course, this is something we would go back to that would say that we need to constantly be using Scripture to back up our arguments um, and the things that we're saying. I think this is particularly uh, when we're talking about uh, all of the, the sexual stuff that's going on uh, in culture, all of the, the reconciliation things that are being talked about in culture, like if we if we're not going back to to scripture and we're not going back to the you know thus that says the Lord things and these these uh, true statements from the King, then what are we doing? I mean, we're just playing with you know paper swords. Like we have no we have no way to back up. Yeah. You know, objectively, what we're actually yeah saying. Yeah. So so you reminded me of something. So another article I wrote. This is a a really good just ex- real life example of into this two different paradigms of the church and the culture uh, related on a particular issue. So um, we all remember the BLM was, was like black lives matter was a big thing a few years ago. Right. Mm -hmm. And, and I wrote an article essentially saying that Christians should have nothing to do with black lives matter. And the article, all I did was look at their belief statement and walk down and just kind of, I, and it wasn't like a very technical article because they were pretty open about it. Like, Everything that they believe as far as an, as an organization, their, their values, their mission is anti-Christian, like from the family to like the whole thing. Right. Um, 
and a friend I know is actually a good, very, very good friend of mine. Um, still good friends. This is someone I love dearly was bothered by the article and told me that I shouldn't have written it. And that, that by me, and I was like, well, why, what's wrong with it? And he said, well, I, I just really think this is a paraphrasing, but he essentially said, I just really think that, um, that we should focus on loving people. He said, we Christians are not here to fight a culture war. Our job is to love people because I don't agree with that. I fundamentally don't. I, th- I don't think we can be, we can, we can follow the great commission to go into the nations with a world that hates us, that we can do that and not create conflict. And fundamentally we're called to redeem through the gospel, redeem like people come to come to Christ. And we have to stand for the truth. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Too, you know, I mean, we, we can't be cannon fodder to the culture and, you know, say that it doesn't matter. One of the things that Paul says in second Corinthians 10, five, I just, I wrote this down earlier. Uh, you know, we destroy arguments and every lofty opinion that is raised against the knowledge of God and take every thought captive to obey Christ. Um, so anytime you have something that's butting up against, you know, like that mission statement, I mean, you have to, you have to stand on the, the biblical side of things. And it's crazy to step away from your Bible. Uh, Vody Bauckham gave this really great illustration one time. It said, imagine two armies rushing toward each other, pulling their swords out, uh, going to battle. And one guy stops in front of the other one and says, I don't believe in your sword. <laughs> imagine how asinine it would be for the guy to say, oh, okay. And then just put it away, yeah. you know, and then get lobbed to death. But the other guy's sword, like it's foolish in any of this, yep. any of the stuff that we're talking about. It's foolish to put your sword away just because someone doesn't believe in it or because somebody doesn't you know agree with you know your stance or or they have a different interpretation you know it's just it's wild yeah i think ultimately no matter how you break it down the scriptures presuppose that you're going to be entering into some sort of conflict with the people you're around right whether you're disagreeing on things in terms of what the bible teaches or whether you're engaging the culture on things that they're trying to get you to embrace or whether they're trying to get you to burn incense to caesar I mean, no matter what, you're going to be rocking right. the boat with the powers that be. So yeah, right. when we're looking at it, one then, of the things I loved. Go ahead. One of the things I loved that you put down, Grayson, was that that point of in all of that, then remembering to attack the argument rather than the person. Yeah. Because that's one of the things that stands out to me about the Patheos comment section. Yeah. Is how often how often is the argument <laughs> attacked versus. Uh, what is that classic line? We say it all the time. That Jack Lee is totally void of anything Christian. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. You know, that one. It's always on Jack. Jack, you just bring it out in people. Yeah. <laughs> sir. Sir. <laughs> sir. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. We are going to have to play that for people one time. All right. Yeah. yeah. Yes. There's an inside joke there. If I, I don't even know if I say it, I'm going to have to commit to do it. I, I don't know yeah, that we... No. The short story is Grayson got a voicemail once. Somebody called him and left him a voicemail. Well, they and... they called our church, and so our, oh, they called the church. Our That's secretary right. yeah. actually forwarded it to me, and she's like, uh, "I figured you <laughs> probably didn't want to give him a call back, but here's something for you." <laughs> and it was two messages, right? Yeah, it was like the first one, and then it was a call back. Yeah, the guy got just... irate on the second Sir. one. He was just like, you, but he, you but the point me. is, he he was yeah, he was going like right after you, like it wasn't. And it was over an absurd thing. We don't have, maybe I'll play it. Maybe I won't. I don't yeah. know. We'll have to think yeah. about that. It'd be a good uh, outro or something. Yeah. yeah. Um, if I can figure it out, I make no promises. So if you listen <laughs> to the rest of this episode and it's not at the end of it, sorry. Um, but I'll see if I can figure out how to do it. But, but the point being, he, he specifically attacked you. Like he was yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like there needs to be, yeah. I think is my favorite. And by the way, I've listened to that voicemail many, many <laughs> times. It's actually my ringtone. <laughs> But at one point he says, "I'll even you're an, give you my that, social an, security number. I'll fly yeah, you out. Yeah, you want to fly? Yeah. yeah, come fly out here. I want to talk to you. I want to because you're an outraged disgrace." He said, or something <laughs> like that. Like, yeah, it was just a wild thing. Like, but but to that point, like we didn't take him seriously because <laughs> um, he's he's not really talking. In fact, there was his argument was that Grayson likes cigars. Like that was that's what really set him off. Yeah. But he, but he wasn't attacking an argument. He was attacking you. Like he was specific. And it, but, but he didn't stick to the facts. So the the, the advice here is, if you're going to do that, 
stick to the facts and discuss the issues. Yeah. 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 And that's the only way it's going to be productive. Yeah. Anyway. Well, and then you look at what goes hand in hand with that, too. It's like if you're, you know, stick to the argument the whole time you're talking about it, because how many times do people want to just go down a rabbit trail that has nothing to do with what the actual topic is, too? Right. It's yeah. like we're going to. Uh, these are all logical fallacies, by the way. Right. The first one's an ad hominem. This one's a red herring. Um, you can look these up on your own time. But the reality is it, it just shows a sloppy argument um, or a weakness to their own viewpoint or a weakness to their own understanding of their viewpoint that they want to hold um so in every bit of it what you're looking at is just um what i always make people do is defend their own views on these things so many people get tripped up where they feel now that they have to defend every single thing that these people are bringing out and the reality is it's like how about you just turn the tables on them and make them defend their own views because nine out of ten times what happens is they can't and then all you're doing is just saying okay I don't now need to waste three hours or, I mean, hopefully you're not doing that, but let's just put dial back and say, I don't need to waste 20, 30 minutes trying to right. go in circles with this person the whole time. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. And then to that point, know when to answer a fool to, according to their folly. Yeah. Right out of scripture. Like you just have to know when to. That's st- tough. That is. I actually find that, I actually find that very difficult. I, I try to err on giving grace and try to err on just being wronged. So I've, I've accepted the fact that I'm going to have a, a fool just spout his folly at me for some time so I can know definitively. And then if I know it, I mean, there's a certain point where it's like, okay, I've gone back and forth with you over four exchanges at least at this point, and you're still doubling down, and you're just getting more and more irate. Um, I know that what you're doing at this point. Or if I'm watching you just continue to dance around the subject, I know you're avoiding it. So at that point is when I'll just kind of clamp down and say, all right, I'm going to, I'm going to do that back to you and kind of force the issue. Uh, We had one guy on our page, I inevitably banned him, but he was trying to argue that um, cuties, that Netflix thing with all the kids and that, and like things like Game of Thrones, all those different shows with explicit material uh, was appropriate to show to kids. And he was... Capital R reformed Christian and all this stuff. He was saying that trans stuff in the schools wasn't even evil. And the, the way he was doing it was in such a, a sly, manipulative, and secretive way to where he was never overtly saying that. But by implication of his argument, he was going there. And so I kept just shoving it in his face like you would a bad dog who, you know, peed on the floor. I'm like, no, we're, we're going to go here, buddy. And uh, I made him defend it, and I made him just own it. But he he refused to just actually accept it, and then at that point I'm like, all right, we're just we're done, um, and I banned him. But that was a guy that almost immediately I'm starting to just um, you get turn a little red. Oh, I was I was livid, and yeah. it was one of those things where it's like I'm not gonna let you just get away with all you your. You could games. just ban people in real life, <laughs> yeah. Grayson. I think you would have made a good pope. Oh, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> People are like, he's the And you're banned. Yeah. And you're banished. I'm tired of this. Goodbye. Yeah. So just in the interest of time, you're and that's all I don't mean to cut you off, but no, you're just good. trying to we got just a couple of things here, but your your next point's a good one. Realize uh it's unlikely you will change their mind in this instance. Like that's a good thing to keep in mind. Yeah. But not impossible. Not impossible. It's not impossible. And I think your relationship, like in that instance, your relationship with the person where you have disagreements is everything. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. it's everything. Uh, compared to like how you carry yourself, how you um, just, I mean, not too long ago, I had a pretty significant theological shift when it comes to uh, the second commandment. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was literally through uh, conversations, like productive conversations uh, with people that. Wait, you know, so, so are you, I, are you I anti? I disagreed with. Hey, are you, an- so you're. Like no pictures of Jesus, you're that no images. Yeah, yeah, I'm there too. Okay, yeah, you're going to yeah. be oppressed. Do you remember that? You were part of that. You were part I, of that. I didn't know that. I didn't know. Yeah, that. you're going to be a Presbyterian in like three weeks. I can tell. This is what Jack always does. <laughs> He's like soon, <laughs> soon. That's really the Presbyterian. Thing. Yeah, well, that's his post mill. We all start coming out, out again practice. soon. Yeah, maybe it's true. <laughs> Jack just the can't. the second commandment, the two CV thing, will be a fun fun episode. Yeah. yeah, yeah, because people like controversial topics. This is true. 
So with that, then, when we do the episode on Second Commandment, we want to ask our questions, how do I build others up in the faith rather than just tear them down? Grayson, that's no fun. See, that's a professional right there. I just moved right <laughs> along with the outline. And this is why yeah. the, you guys pay me yeah. the big bucks, which is that's absolutely right. no, nothing. But it's, no, but that no, is... you're spot on. Yeah. <laughs> that you're is, spot on. But it is true if you are presenting an argument of how am I building up, like, am I looking just to decapitate this guy yeah. or am I actually looking for something productive in building up? Yeah. And I would say in that conversation that I had, you know, that we went over several days uh, with that uh, second commandment issue is the intention of the brothers that I was speaking to, I could tell was a building up, not a, you know, just, it wasn't a, you know, Blake, just shut up and throw away your pictures of Kenny Loggins on your wall. <laughs> and, you know, yeah, Obi-Wan Kenobi. You were in the whatever. danger zone. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on the other end of things, I look at how do I uh, how do I model what it looks good. like to be a godly, biblically faithful model of what it looks to defend the faith. So let's say that person will never change her mind. I also see it as instructive. How can other people who might read it or never say a yeah. word uh, see that right. exchange and say, okay, here's how I can defend my view without just being a jerk, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that's good. And then uh, kind of the last couple points here. Um, when when we're disagreeing or when you're disagreeing someone over a controversial topic that's clearly um, anti-Christian or anti-scriptural, right? And that's, where, yeah. If they're a Christian, you see, I'm reading Grayson's notes here because they're, they're just really worded really well. If they're a Christian, it boils down to refusal to submit to the text, right? And if they're not a Christian, it boils down to their need for Christ. That sums it up really well, right? Yeah. Um, and then the the last point here, and then we can we can kind of wrap this up. And it's a really good point to finish on that. In all engagements with the culture, uh, should we choose to engage, and however we choose to engage. Our ultimate goal should be to win them or see others to truth, uh, to win them to see the truth for the sake of the gospel, that they would come to know Christ, right? That um, that they would come to know Jesus and, uh, and you know, find, find redemption, atonement for their sins, like all these things. Like that should be the ultimate goal in the underlying current and thrust of any engagement that we have with anyone over cultural issues. Yeah. I mean, I yeah. think we could say that for most issues where. Oh, yeah. All it, yeah. Well, yeah, I, I, was... I don't mean like you weren't thinking that way. Um, I think we often just don't think that way, right? I mean, how often do you and I walk into anything and say, that's our primary motive? Was that an actual question? I mean, that was not an actual question that you have to answer. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> There's a rhetorical question. You like paused there, and I was like, and I was like, am I supposed to think of a number? Like, how many times? <laughs> um, <laughs> six. <laughs> How many times, Jack? Today. Today. How many times? How many people did you specifically evangelize today, Jack? <laughs> Apparently not enough. Um, yeah. So, okay. Well, I think we covered a thing, everything on the outline. Uh, kind of in summary, we talked about the models of engagement, right? What that kind of looks like. It's kind of a sliding scale, depending on where you are. Uh, when we should you know, some kind of some self-reflecting questions on if you're going to do it, here's some ways to think about should you do it. Uh, and then, you know, if you are going to do it, how should you do it? And I think I think that was good. But yeah, I, I think at the end of the day, the, the clash of the culture and the church is unavoidable and it's going to happen and it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. Huh? That's a pre-mill statement. I'm happy with that. We can, we can agree with, with that. that. You, you can agree with All right. Hey, there we go. Look at that. You just enraged every post. Yeah. <laughs> I'm already wrapping up. I'm like, we got to win. Let's go. Close it. Is this a hill to die on? <laughs> oh, Bobby. Um. <laughs> so there wouldn't be any jokes. Man, that's better than a Tim Keller finish. Wow. All right. Anything else? I don't think so. I think, uh, I mean, I, hopefully that was instructive or just helpful in some regards to you guys. Uh, we always thank you guys for checking in and, and to listening. Um, we'll let you go at this point because we're already over an hour. But 
Uh, tune in next time. Lord willing, we will talk to you guys again at some other point.